0: Welcome to the Small Jar Podcast, where we moms of teens find the power to step off the emotional roller coaster between motherhood and the empty nest. I'm your host, Jennifer Collins. Episode number 37. Hello, my friends. Today I want to cover the topic of unconditional love. I'm sure you're probably familiar with this concept. Unconditional love essentially means that you love someone without any condition. Said another way, you can think of it as loving another person for exactly who they are, maybe loving them no matter what. I think it's easiest to wrap our heads around this type of love when we're thinking about our own children. There's something about motherhood, and whether you consider yourself to be maternal or not, there's something about having children that sparked in me a very different kind of love than I'd ever experienced in my own heart before. I've certainly received unconditional love from my parents, and as I'm thinking about it, many of the ways I approach my own role as a mother is modeled after the way my own parents showed me unconditional love. So I think about unconditional love for my children in this way. I love my children no matter what, that there's literally not one thing they could say or do that would make me stop loving them. To me, that's a huge part of unconditional love. Studies actually point to the fact that there are a number of benefits children experience when they receive unconditional love from their parents. They actually experience positive brain development in the areas of memory, capacity to learn, and response to stress. They have an improved ability to create more positive relationships. Studies also point to the fact that unconditional love fosters resilience in children And resilience is actually a buzzword that has become increasingly associated with how our teens are under increasing pressure from so many different sources. Studies even indicate that unconditional love can help children develop a stronger immune system, be more optimistic, have a more positive sense of well-being, and a higher self-esteem. Those are some pretty significant benefits. So if you're listening, I want to give you a huge high five. Because I imagine you're the kind of parent who goes out of their way to love their children. Can you even imagine that just the fact that you love your children has all of these other benefits? I think as moms, we're so much more likely to beat ourselves up for all of the things we're not doing right, especially as our kids enter the teen years, that it's more than a relief to hear that something as natural to us as unconditional love of our children can have such a positive impact In fact, studies point to the possibility that receiving unconditional love is one of the most powerful factors in healthy development of our children and teens. So we feel unconditional love for our kids. This comes from a belief that no matter what mistakes our kids make in life or hardships they face, that we as moms are someone they can count on. And we do this without an expectation of something in return. It's selfless. But here's the really interesting thing about love. Other people can't actually feel our love. Love is an emotion that's a sensation that we feel in our own bodies. My love is something I experience for myself. Consider any emotion that you might have and how it feels in your body to experience it. If you feel peaceful, then your body tends to be in a state of calm. Your muscles are relaxed. Your mind might be free or wandering. Your heart might feel like it's beating slowly. This is how you could describe the feeling of peace in your own body. In contrast, when you feel angry, your muscles might physically tense. You could actually see the color red. Your chest might feel constricted. Your hands or your teeth could clench. And let's talk about the feeling of love. Depending on the type of love you're experiencing, you might feel light and relaxed, or it might feel intense, maybe a little dizzying if it's more of a new romantic love. There's so many different ways to experience the feeling of love. And what I mean is so many different sensations in your body that you can associate with the different types of love. And these sensations are triggered by the thoughts you're having about the other person. So when I experience unconditional love, it's because I'm thinking about how I will be there for my children no matter what. That unshakable belief, commitment I have to my children that makes me feel unconditional love. I experience that love in my body as a sensation that feels soft, tender, maybe warm. If I close my eyes, it's almost like I have this internal feeling of being wrapped around an image of my children. This is a really powerful feeling for me. I wonder how you experience unconditional love as a mother in your own body. So these sensations we experience in our body related to our feelings are not actually something that our children experience. They can't feel the sensation of softness and tenderness I feel as I think about them. What they do experience are the outward actions and words we offer to them as a sign of our love. For example, I tell my children I love them. I cook dinner when I can. I'm available for them when they need me. I show up to their performances and athletic events. I'm there for them even when they don't say they need me or when they're kind of too busy to notice I'm there for them. So they observe these things I say and do, but they're not actually feeling my love. They're observing a series of actions I take that in my mind are coming from my own feeling of unconditional love, but the way they interpret these actions that I take is completely up to them, and they get to interpret my actions however they want. When my kids were little and I would hug them, I would often be rewarded with a big hug back, I received a physical sign that my child had received my love, and they were also thinking in return, I love you, mom, so that their actions reflected mine. We both experienced our own feeling of love in those moments. As my kids have become teens, the moments when they give me big hugs, they're somewhat fewer and farther between. That's not at all to say that my boys don't love me. I think they both say that, of course, they love their mom but the way that they both receive and show their love is completely different from when they were little. When I show them I love them, well, these days, if I try to hug them, I probably only have about a 10% success rate. So I've learned not to force it. I do things for them and mentally know I have their back no matter what. But on a day-to-day basis, I would say that they're probably preoccupied with a lot of things other than my love. (laughs) And it's as it should be. It could also be that they're so used to me telling them that I love them, that it's something that they take for granted at this point. They don't even have to think about it. So for whatever reason, I imagine that they're not experiencing these deep feelings of love for me on a regular basis, as they did when they were little. Which means the times they show me their love by saying I love you or writing me a beautiful card, they don't happen quite as often. But I choose not to let that mean that they don't love me, because I know that they do. The teen years are a time when the concept of unconditional love gets put to the test. That's not actually to say that we waver on actually thinking that we would do whatever we need to do for our kids. Actually, I think sometimes during the teen years, we feel like we need to double down on the ways we do whatever we need to do for our kids. The problem seems so much bigger as our kids become adults. When they were younger, they needed our presence. It almost felt like the demands they had on us were more physical, getting up early with them, watching them to be sure they were safe, taking them wherever they needed to go, preparing their meals, getting them dressed, cleaning up after them. It could feel overwhelming and exhausting at times, but our worries were often relatively uncomplicated. Enter the teen years and it almost feels like parenting is an emotional exercise. It can feel like you're constantly worrying, constantly on high alert, looking for danger, a sign that our kids had a hard day or are having a hard time working through things, worries that they aren't getting along with their friends or don't have enough friends or the right friends. So it's easy to perceive that our kids need us more than ever. I've been noticing an interesting phenomenon among many parents of teens. They tend to go out less than when their kids were little. Now this obviously doesn't apply to everyone. I know plenty of moms who didn't wanna leave their younger children at home with a babysitter either. But for some of us, it feels harder to leave our teens at home on a Saturday night because you almost feel bad. Like you don't want them to think you're abandoning them. Or in some cases, we may not fully trust our kids if they're home alone for an extended period of time. So we perceive that our kids need us. And this feeling of responsibility extends beyond just keeping our kids safe or keeping them company. We often think that our kids need our help to be successful. And look, we've been helping our kids be successful for forever. We've taught them how to tie their shoes, hold a spoon, walk, do their homework. It's a responsibility we took on from the moment we snapped them into the car seat when we brought them home from the hospital. Our job has been to keep our kids safe and help them be successful in life. As mothers, we raise our kids to the best of our abilities, and so we have certain values and expectations that we apply to the way we raise our kids. This is true of all of us. The way each of us thinks about the world drives how we approach our role as a mother. For me, one of the thoughts driving my view of my role as a mother has been that it's my responsibility to raise responsible, hardworking, kind human beings who strive to reach their full potential. And so quite a bit of my parenting has been informed by this driving belief or expectation around the type of person my boys would grow into. And ultimately, it was my job to help them achieve that. So we enforce these expectations pretty early on in life. I set up rules around kindness and sharing when the boys were little, and I enforced predictable consequences if they weren't kind to each other. But more than consequences, I reinforced the behavior that I wanted to encourage I praised the boys for working hard and demonstrating perseverance. I acknowledged acts of kindness and helpfulness. I'm sure we communicated often our view of the importance of trying hard in school. So in these big and small ways, through positive reinforcement, consequences, and even the way we talk about goals and responsibility with our kids, we reinforce on a pretty regular basis our expectations about how we recommend they pursue their lives. And in my mind, those expectations weren't specific. For example, it's not like I had expectations that my boys would become doctors or that they had to study a specific thing or be involved in specific extracurricular activities. It wasn't as much about what goal they were working towards, but rather how they went about achieving their goals that was the focus of our expectations. If I'm honest with myself, one of my underlying beliefs is that in order to be successful, sometimes you have to work hard. So when our kids were little, they bought into this philosophy. But as they've gotten older, they've started exercising their independent thought and really exploring how they want to view their own lives and their own expectations for themselves and what that implies for how they're supposed to live their lives. This could show up in really big and small ways. Fairly minor examples could include differing views on how our kids should dress or wear their hair, whether they should wear makeup. But even things like how far in advance they should do their homework, how much time they should spend online with their friends. And that's the relatively small stuff. We can also get into pretty big disagreements over expectations when it comes to how much effort our kids should be putting into their schoolwork or the process of applying to college, who they should be dating, how intimate they should be getting in their relationships, whether or not they should be drinking or experimenting with drugs. It can honestly feel at times that our kids are rejecting the fundamental values that we've worked so hard to instill in them. And this calls into question for us how we should proceed, because it's not like we've let go of our view of our responsibility to ensure a kid's success and happiness just because now they feel like they want to be more independent and get out from under our thumbs. And although I said before, our kids can't feel our unconditional love for them unless they decide to interpret our actions in a way that leads them to think, wow, mom really loves me. On the flip side, they can interpret our actions in the opposite way. Our kids can view our expectations for them in a way that leads them to think our love is actually conditional. And I'll speak for myself. I would hate to think that the expectations I have for my boys about what I hope for their life, I'd hate to think that that would ever get in the way of my kids thinking that I would ever stop loving them if, for example, they didn't achieve a certain level of success. A few years ago, I was sitting in the audience of a high school town hall and a writer by the name of Jessica Lee, came to speak. One of her books is called The Gift of Failure. I was sitting in the audience and she asked this group of high school students to raise their hand if they had ever been paid for their grades. Quite a few people in the room raised their hands. She then asked how many of them had ever gotten some other benefit or gift or some other encouragement to get good grades. More hands in the room went up. She then asked, How many of you think your parents would love you less if you didn't get good grades? It broke my heart to see how many hands went up. Could you imagine thinking that your parents wouldn't love you if you didn't get straight A's? Now, I hope those kids didn't really think their parents would withdraw their love, but it's an interesting question to consider whether the disappointment we sometimes feel around our kids not meeting our expectations, if that disappointment is something our kids translate as us withholding our love in those moments. It's even more heartbreaking to think that this may be happening when this is the opposite of our intention and the way we're parenting our children. We're not trying to make our kids feel like our love is conditional, but sometimes whether we like it or not, we show up in a way that suggests to our kids that maybe they do have to earn our love. This is one of the reasons why I often talk about focusing on how we're showing up as mothers. Look, the bottom line is that we can't control our kids anymore. We really can't. We can't force them to work harder or to not do things they want to do or to be someone who they're not. And look, we don't really want to force them to do anything. What we actually want is for them to agree with us, to share the expectations we have for them about how they should approach their lives. We want to convince them, not force them, but they don't always agree. And as parents, we sometimes have to confront the real question, do you love your child for exactly who they are, or rather for who you expect them to be, for who you thought they were going to be? This, my friends, is true unconditional love, and it can be easier said than done. And let me be clear, I'm not implying that you don't love your child. In fact, I know you love them. Ironically, it's because we love our children so much that we find ourselves in this complicated dynamic where we feel so compelled to help our children be the best version of themselves. We feel like we see their potential. We also want so much for them in their lives. We want them to be happy. It's all so very rational and reasonable until we find ourselves pulling out our hair in frustration or tossing and turn in bed at night with anxiety because they just won't listen. Unconditional love, love without conditions, without expectations. It's easier said than done, my friends. And just to take us out of the hot seat for a moment, as parents, let's look at unconditional love when it comes to our romantic relationships. Whether you're dating, married, divorced, single, or still processing the pain of a past relationship, if it's so hard to truly love our own children without expectations, then it seems absolutely impossible to find unconditional romantic love. And let's just even have a reality check on what I just said, unconditional romantic love. How many relationships 10, 15, 20 years later are romantic anymore? And that's for those who are still together with their partner. We're all pretty realistic by this point that the hot romance of a relationship simmers down after a while. So romance may not even be on our list of expectations for a spouse or partners, but I can imagine that you have a fairly robust list of other expectations for your partner. How you split responsibilities if you live together, how you spend your time together, how you expect them to engage with your children, The bottom line is we have expectations, and sometimes in those relationships, we're faced with decisions about what it means if our partner doesn't meet those expectations. As an example, we might have expectations that our partner doesn't cheat on us, and if they do, if they cross that boundary, you have a decision to make. Forgive them, leave them, and you could actually still love them even if you leave. It's possible, but also it might be a deal-breaker, It could make it difficult for you to still love that person if the breach in trust was such that it was beyond repair. So this kind of begs the question, do we even really want to feel unconditional love? Is it realistic to expect ourselves to love our partner unconditionally, even if they completely let us down and fall short of very important expectations? I think most of us would probably agree that it would be quite reasonable for someone to make the choice to leave if they felt their partner had violated their trust and that they couldn't recover from that. Others might choose to stay, but there's a point where unconditional love is just possibly unrealistic, that maybe it's not even the goal. So why do we even talk about unconditional love? If we're honest with ourselves, we have expectations of everyone And so it would seem impossible for us to love and completely let go of expectations. In the case of our kids, we can feel like if we don't have expectations of them, it's almost like we're letting them down. And there's one more relationship we haven't explored, a really big one, and that's our relationship with ourselves. This probably needs to be the subject of a whole series of podcasts, but let's visit the tip of the iceberg for a minute. Do you love yourself unconditionally? For some of us, it might be hard to answer yes, even without the word unconditionally attached. Or maybe you think, yeah, yeah, I love myself. But when it comes to the question, do you love yourself unconditionally, you have to stop and think about it. What does that mean? Do you love yourself without condition, without expectation? Would you still love yourself no matter what happened? What if something terrible happened? Maybe something you thought you should have been able to prevent or fix. Those questions get a bit more complicated, and maybe they involve what-if scenarios that our brains don't even want to contemplate. But without even going there to the worst case, just think about your daily life as a mom. What kind of expectations do you put on yourself to support your kids, to take care of your family, to keep all the balls in the air? And how often do you tell yourself that you messed up, that you should have done it differently, that you're a terrible mother because of something you did or didn't do? because you haven't been successful getting your child to do or not do something? Have you even really noticed how you talk to yourself? Like, what's the dialogue going on in your head in those moments when you feel like you haven't lived up to your own expectations in any area of your life? Do you talk to yourself as if you love yourself unconditionally? Or do you talk down to yourself, beat yourself up like a punching bag? Can you imagine calling that unconditional love? So where do we go from here? It almost seems as if I've disproven the concept of unconditional love. We have expectations of everyone in our lives, including ourselves, and we have a really hard time dropping those expectations. If we're really honest, we don't want to drop the expectations. It sounds too much like settling or giving up, like giving up on our kids' potential or our own potential, like settling for love that's less than what we deserve. So what if it's possible to love unconditionally and keep our expectations? What would that look like? I think the answer comes down to how we want to show up for ourselves and for others. I said before that others can't feel our unconditional love for them, but they can observe how we show up and interpret for themselves what that means in terms of how they think we feel about them. So with our kids, the tricky part about our expectations, especially when our kids don't share them, is that when our expectations aren't being met for whatever reason, we get frustrated, or anxious, or hurt, or some other list of difficult emotions. And when we feel frustrated with our kids, for example, we tend to act out in ways that show our annoyance. We might yell, nag, snap at our kids. Unfortunately, our annoyance rarely results in our kids saying, oh, sorry, mom, I'll totally do that thing. I didn't mean to get you mad. Now, typically, our actions make our teens double down on their annoying behavior, or at the very least, ignore us, walk off in a huff, slam their door. Basically, now we're all annoyed and there's no compromise in sight. And guess what? Then we start to beat ourselves up for not handling the situation better, for not being able to connect with our kids, for not being a better mother. Now we're not meeting our own expectations. It's a downward spiral. But what if there's nothing wrong with your kids and there's nothing wrong with you? The only thing that's happening is that there's an expectation that's not being met. That's it. You have an expectation of your child that's not being met. You have an expectation of your partner that's not being met. You have an expectation of yourself that's not being met. And before you jump to drop the expectation, really evaluate the expectation first. Why do you have this expectation at all? Why is it important to you? You might decide that this expectation is a deal breaker. It's non-negotiable. It has to be met. But other times you might uncover really incredible insights into why certain expectations are important to you. Are your expectations for your child about them or about you, about what your job as a mother is? Are expectations for yourself about how others see you or about how you wish you saw yourself? We all have expectations. It's natural, even necessary. But when we're not aware of why we have the expectations we do, can we truly show up in a way that demonstrates our unconditional love for our kids, for our partners, for ourselves? If you want to love unconditionally, it starts with you, with understanding your expectations and how they keep you from creating what you want, connection with your kids, Supporting your kids in the way they want to live their lives. Nurturing connection with your partner. The strength and grace to support and love yourself, even when we sometimes don't meet our own expectations. Until next time, friends. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review. And check out our coaching program, Mom 2.0, at www.thesmalljar.com. You have more power than you think, my friend.